0: This is Mission Disco.
1: This is Mission Disco. This is Mission Disco.
0: Conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission
1: in Ireland and beyond.
2: Welcome everybody to another episode of Mission Disco. Uh, My name is Ross Hill and I'm with my co-host here, Simon. How are you today, Simon? I'm good, thanks Ross. Good to see you. What's going on in your life these days? not a huge amount although we had uh
0: we were away uh on a little trip on uh, the royal canal there on uh, saturday we went on a barge trip for my dad's 70th so that was good fun i've seen the canals from the land but i've never been on them so we got to go through the lock and everything amazing yeah wow. uh, yeah it was really good really enjoyed it. it was a lovely evening you up to anything exciting
2: no it's just um when when you have kids and all the activities restart again you kind of go oh right this is what life was like before the pandemic and remembering doing lifts to this that and the other so um i did get away for one night um the other week on a on a on a short golf trip so that was nice to actually what you know stay in a hotel that's um, something that we have not experienced for a while so that was good very good i don't envy the playing golf but the getting away is good yeah yeah the getting away was was the main main main, <laughs> main enjoyment of of those two days yeah so um we have our guest today is Sean Mullen so we uh Sean is a good friend of ours he's he's um helped us at Praxis at a number of different events that we've done and um Sean is currently um He's the leader and the founder of Third Space Cafe in um, Smithfield. and uh, But he's lots of years of experience in church planting, church leadership, and um, has a real insight into culture and how we are um, navigating things at the moment. So Sean wrote a small paper um, that he sent to some of us in Praxis, a- couple of weeks ago and we thought it was very appropriate for for this time that we're living through um we're recording this early october and we're in transition i suppose to put it that way. so we just felt to get sean on and have a chat through um his paper i think it's worth saying that we have this on the praxis website somewhere that people can download is that true it's
0: on the yeah it's up on podcast there or up as a blog post on the website so it's there yeah
2: so, just really encourage anyone's listening to this to go to the website and have have a read of it as well. So, Sean, you're very welcome on the
1: podcast. Thanks very much. It's great to be with you.
0: It was a Good. while ago, Sean. We had you on years back, probably the first one, and I think it introduced you that you were not only the the founder of Third Space, but also the captain of a ship. But I think that was uh, incorrect.
1: But you were at one point uh, part about. of a ship. Yeah, I, was, but... I, I, I worked as a navigation officer. I never made those those high ranks of captain. I moved <laughs> on before I managed that. Yeah. So maybe to,
2: to, to begin, Sean, would you just tell us why you wrote the paper? What was kind of inspiring you during the summer to kind of reflect on where we are um, in terms of church and in terms of how we do things? Um, what was what was behind it?
1: Yeah, sure. So the, the what stimulated me really was talking to people, people like ye, <laughs> uh, people like our, our own uh, pastor in the church, um, uh, a friend who's a priest down in Cork who I went to visit. Um, and ev- so everybody was thinking the same thing. They were, th- you know, what's it going to be like when we're, we're able to come back together? What will we uh, do? How will it work? So that's, uh, that's really what stimulated the thinking. And I was... Just musing over it, um, and thought of this metaphor of the the soft reset that um, uh, we often do with our computers or our phones or whatever. That uh, it's not working, switch it off and switch it back on again, and hopefully it'll work the next time. And we we don't really know how it works, but it does work. Um, that you know, well, very often it does work. That that uh, something like that goes. Um, uh it gets it going again even i remember back in the days where you used to give the television the thump you know <laughs> to get it working again and that worked too <laughs> um so i just thought about that as a metaphor um and wondered is there something in that 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 uh this is an opportunity and i think that's the key word because because the meeting gathering by and large stopped for 18 months um and now it's re- restarting you know different congregations or different groups are in different ways, but it's it's slowly restarting. And the thinking is, uh, you know, how do we get back to where we were? Um, and uh, I, I just began thinking, well, is this not an opportunity to ask the question, do we want to get back to where we were? Why did we do what we did before? Um, and are there things that we uh, could stop doing? Are there things that we could start doing? Are there things that we could do, you know, tweak and do a little bit differently? So those are the kind of things that that, that, that prompted the the paper. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also thought, because several people have said to me, uh, you know, the pe- people are not coming back. The people who were coming regularly before are not all coming back. Um, and that caused me to think, Okay, well, why not? What was it that um, that didn't uh, draw them back? Uh, you know, they, was it just a sense that they weren't sure why they were going in the first place? <laughs> um, so, I, I think that all of those things are really important for us to to reflect on and consider. So, hence the paper.
0: Yeah, it's been. Um, yeah, it's a strange time, and I think one of the one of the the questions I thought we'd talk about, but I'm not sure if it's the right question is, how are people feeling, where are people at? Because I think sometimes we can just have a general idea of, of where people are at or a general idea of, of where people are at when they think about church. And there does seem to be not as maybe much of a tiredness as there was this time last year, but there is a little bit of a confusion of, of where we're going. And although the the path seems to be clearer in terms of where the government are seeing the country go, people leading ministries or mission or church it seems a little bit unclear and there's a little bit nearly when you think about the Israelites going through the desert, you know, they're, you know, they've been taken away from slavery and they, they want to go back to normal. They want to go back to where it used to be and God's leading them to a new place and leading them to something new. Um, And, and sometimes it is a, I don't know if it's a a lack of imagination or whether it's a lack of capacity or a lack of a blueprint to go, to go before us. Um, I think in the, in the paper, you commented a few um, Sean on, on, on thinking a little bit about some churches that may not reopen. And it was it's their time to, to not reopen. I think you, you hear that not only across Ireland, but other places, other countries as well, where quite a high percentage of churches won't reopen. And then we have the churches that will reopen and just want to get back to normal. But there is that question, and, and I think it's a really important question that you've kind of posed there where you say, not asking the questions about what we get back to or what we stop, but the why question. And I think that's really important for us to, to consider and nearly pause on why mm. are we doing what we're doing or or why why should the church be the church? What does that look like? Mm. Um, maybe could you explain a little bit more about kind of that why question and the, the difference between the what question and the why question and where you went with that?
1: Yeah, I, I think because a lot of the conversation that I heard was around what are we going to do? Are we going to do a blended mix? You know, some, some physically present, some zooming in. And, um, uh, you know, what about music? What about singing? What about, uh, you know, uh, conversation in small groups? What about hospitality and serving? Co- all of those kind of things, the, the what questions, which are all, you know, natural mm-hmm. questions. Um, but I, I I did think that that it would help us to answer the what questions if we stepped a little bit further back and said, okay, why are we gathering? What is the, what is the purpose of it? What are we seeking to achieve through this? Um, and to me, it, it, it all comes back to, everything comes back to the, the commission that we've been given by Jesus, you know, that, that the, the resurrected Jesus before he left the disciples said, you know, here's, here's it now, I've been given uh, say over everything um, in heaven and earth, so here's your instruction, you go and make apprentices of me, or disciples of me, among people of every kind. Uh, and then, as Dallas Willard puts it, uh, submerge them in the, the reality of the triune God, which I love, um, and teach them to do everything I've told you to do. And and that that kind of uh, mix of uh, drawing people in as apprentices of Jesus, um, so that they they live in the reality of the triune God, and they... Begin to learn how to do everything that Jesus taught us to do. I think that that is, if that if that is our commission, if we accept that that's the commission that we've been given, then that should be shaping everything we do. Um, so, it should be shaping our, our Sunday mornings. Um, but I, I think there's a danger that Sunday morning becomes. a a kind of a disconnected place from the rest of life so it's it's something that we do because we're supposed to do it I say Sunday morning it could be Saturday evening it could be any time you know but uh, the gathering uh, becomes uh, a place where almost like uh, what happens when we go to uh the cinema or what you were saying about the other the other evening going on the barge for a few hours or going on an overnight golf trip, it becomes a disconnect place where we go and enjoy it and you know have a good time there but then it's but it's disconnected from the rest of life and i think that that is a real uh danger and and we we feel like we're doing the right thing but it's, it's also, we find it hard, I think a lot of folk find it hard to connect that to what goes on in the rest of life. And I, I, that's why I thought about this, this thing of, do we need to retool in some way or reshape or rethink it?
0: Yeah. I... Sometimes when, you, when we read Matthew 20, we read that great commission, go make disciples, we think of the making disciples as an activity in of itself. And we go, well, where's our discipleship time? This is the time we do on a Wednesday evening or we do it on a Thursday morning, whatever this, that's the discipleship time. Whereas actually considering all that we do as framed by or influenced by or directed by the great commission changes maybe how we do everything and not just our discipleship time in inverted commas. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it puts it at the center.
0: Yeah. You know, at at
1: yeah. the core of it. Because um, so, for some people, that's the only thing they come to anyway. You know, so if they if they don't come to the Wednesday or whatever, do, yeah. how, how do they learn to do everything that Jesus told us to do if they don't get it in that time?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I know we've wrestled with that. What's the Sunday morning? Um, we've gone through phases of it's the place where people who don't have faith will come in and we need to be sensitive to where people are coming from. And um, we've gone through places where no it's teaching and we do hardcore teaching and you do all these things and you don't expect the new people to come in. And I think Sunday morning has evolved and has changed. And, you know, you talk about it in that paper as being a space to train and a space to equip believers. And I wonder, has that changed? Have you seen that change maybe transition over, over your years in, in church leadership? Of what that Sunday morning space is, or has that has that changed for you personally, or have you seen a change in in the Irish Church,
1: what Sunday morning is?
0: Um,
1: <laughs> excuse me. I remember um, in the first church where I was involved in leadership uh, in Middleton, um, we uh, so in the early days there was a small group of us, twelve of us. We were just getting going from scratch. There was nothing there before, and uh, we. Uh, we started doing some things that we were used to from the other places where we had been before. And then someone came in who, um, he had started coming along to uh, a a midweek course that we'd been running, an alpha type course. This is before alpha. Um, But uh, he started coming along to that. And that was very much a discussion. It was a small group discussion time, lots of interaction, lots of questions. And this guy was really interactive. Uh, interacting with it and uh eventually he turned up on a sunday morning and uh he's he's listening to the talk and just like he would have done in the the midweek thing five minutes in he goes hang on a sec sean i, I go back over that again i didn't get that at all would you just go you know and everybody else was looking around what you know you can't do that <laughs> nobody said that of course but it, it was and that became part of what we did then like it was okay to interrupt whoever was speaking, and I, if we, if we had visitors coming to speak to teach, I had to warn them in advance, you know, to say be prepared that someone might interrupt you in the middle. Um, but I think it's an example of of uh, what? Why can't you interrupt? You know, the preacher. Why have we created this kind of sacred monologue that uh, people interrupted Jesus if you read the Gospels? You know, when he was when he was teaching. Um, And he seemed to take it as opportunities for, you know, some of the best stories that he told were people interrupting, you know, the the, uh, Good Samaritan and, you know, who's my neighbor and that kind of thing. So I I think that that sense of uh, moving to a stage where we're more flexible, uh, but harder on our core purpose. So hard about the why, but flexible about the what. That um, that that was what I was trying to get across in the soft reset thing. You know that that um, uh, that we we need to you know put up the sacred cows and say, okay, why why is this why does this really matter? Uh, is it is it just is it because this is central to our identity as Jesus followers, or is it because it's the way we've always done it? i think that's. Right.
2: Yeah, I, think, I think yeah and i think that's a really helpful framework to approach this like a, i heard somewhere where else people are using the you know the things that we need to retain or retire or rethink mm-hmm. and i think i think what you you said earlier about opportunity this is an opportunity isn't it like that we are still um still figuring out you know the direction we should go. So we do have an opportunity for things kind of to settle back down again. And I think um, they're really important questions to ask. It's either a very hard reset where things just have to stop. It's a soft reset where things have to be adjusted. Um, but I think the danger is no reset required. <laughs> normal, normal service resumes yeah. in in that sense. And I think there's a real opportunity for us to to kind of push into that I think just to kind of kind of continue with this team of like apprentices disciples training for me as I'm listening to that our Sundays have always been geared around information you know I remember someone saying some Sunday mornings can be like a classroom where one person is speaking to you know tens hundreds of people or it can be like a concert where it's amazing worship music but what if it becomes more like a gymnasium <laughs> and maybe it's not the right metaphor, but it kind of gets across, I think, something around this training idea that we are training to understand what Jesus is asking us to do. And we're actually beginning to practice that. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think some of us, we just, we, we probably need a fresh imagination for some of this stuff. Don't we? It's kind of letting some stuff go, but what do we kind of step into? And and I just wonder um, could you speak into that a little bit? Like in the paper, you mentioned examine, which is a really good practice. Yeah. You mentioned um, scripture reading, eating together, hospitality. We've discovered the richness of just reading scripture together and liturgy as a way of calling us into the presence of God and beginning to practice that. Yeah. Could you mention just maybe a couple more things around, like say examine, how would we include examine in our Sunday morning gathering?
1: Well, I the the various. um, The very simplest thing, and I got this from Joe Smith, actually, when he was the Irish rugby coach and when he he would gather people together um, uh, he would go around the room and the first thing he would say was, where are you coming from? That's what he would say, you know. So in other words, what's what's as you come here to you know training session or whatever it was they were doing, um what, what's what's been going on in you before you came here to to train for a rugby match? Um and I, I think that something similar needs to take place in that transition as people come in, if it's not going to be uh just simple escapism, we're escaping out of our ordinary lives for this period of time and then we're going back to it. We we've got to create some way for people to transition. Um, I, I read a, a, a bit of a memoir recently, and this this lady who is talking about uh, going to stay with her grandmother in Puerto Rico, and the grandmother is taking her to mass. A little girl, she's never been to mass, you know, and so the grandmother is telling her that she can't have any breakfast till she comes back from mass, you know, because she have to has to fast. And she says, "Don't ask why; it's too complicated." And then her last instruction to her after she's put the little veil on her head and all that. Her last instruction to her is now all the way there and all the way back, you have to think only good thoughts because we're going to God's house. You know, so and the girl says she knew there and then that she was only going to think bad thoughts (laughs) because of that instruction, you know. But that phrase all the way there and all the way back, that just kind of captured me. And I thought, okay. All the way there and all the way back. What is that transition for us that we transition into that time and then transition out of it? And at the least, I think we can do is recognize it. You know, to say to at the very beginning to say, "Okay, take a minute. Uh, where are you coming from?" Just allow yourself to to reflect on that. Or if your group is small, you might give people an opportunity to say where they're coming from. But what's been going on? What's in your your life? Whatever way we do it, that we create some kind of a connection about all the way there. (laughs) Um, And then the same when we're leaving again, that we're, we're doing something that says, okay, where are you going now? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And you could do it through silent prayer, silence. You could do it through one-to-one conversation there's lots of different ways we could do it but I think the important principle is that we are seeking to connect what goes on in that time with what goes on in the rest of people's lives you know the gospel message is that the kingdom of God is here at hand And it's not in church. (laughs) It's not not what he was talking about. It's in 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 life, in every day that you can connect with the reality of God, who He is, what He's doing for us in the life that you live every day. So we have somehow got to reflect that reality in the the um, the time that we spend gathered, uh, and and seek to connect with it. Because we're we're, if not, it's like you say, Ross. We're big on knowledge. Uh, We know an awful lot but a lot of our knowledge is disconnected. It's true, you know? Jesus died for me, I know that to be true. Jesus rose again, I know that to be true. Um, but it's disconnected from my work every day, my relationships, my neighborhood, my family life, all of that. And that's what we're trying to do is create the connection. And do you think that's
2: why you know we're reading We're reading stats coming out of the US, maybe UK, that only 40% of people are returning back. And I know these are very rush, you know, they're very arbitrary numbers in in that sense. But do you think, you know, people have got used to not turning up on a Sunday and why would I bother, Um, you know, or dipping into the online stuff that we're doing at the moment What's sort of your reflections on what's behind that in terms of? Because there's obviously something that, um, if we're going to reimagine a gathering or if we're going to reimagine church, um, we need to be kind of gauging where where we're at. You know, like do we want to go to this or um, that sort of thing? Because I'm 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 reflecting as you're saying all that that the community aspect. There's a there's you know something happens when we gather together but we might miss that if we're mm. if we're stuck in a different model yeah
1: yeah that's great uh, good thinking ross the my friend the priest i mentioned in cork and um, he his his parish or parishes were were already ha- shrunken to the faithful you know to the ones that were it was a they were diminishing in size and number um, and and so he said what happened during the the pandemic was that, that that the faithful the people who had always gone to mass their whole lives stopped going and it didn't make any difference to their lives you know and i think that that may be truer across the spectrum that that the people uh couldn't go for the gods of 18 months and they're looking at it going well actually It didn't change much in my life, so why would I go back to it? You know, I think it's 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 more that than a sense of, um, I'm rebelling or my you know my theology has changed or or anything like that. I'm I'm just spoofing now because I haven't talked to enough people to to know the reality, and I certainly haven't done any surveys or anything. But I do think that there is that part if it's not connected to the reality of life. I mean, we, we've got people coming back into Third Space now, and our, our, our business last month was was at 80% of what it was in the same month two years ago, you know, before the pandemic. So there was something about whatever Third Space was offering and doing that makes people go, I'm going back. You know, <laughs> I want to go in there. Um, and if they're not, if they weren't, then we'd have to say, why? And so I think that that's good. I mean, it'd be great just to... to have have uh conversations with people without any kind of element of arm twisting involved and saying you know give us your reflections uh, on uh what what made you decide that that you didn't want to come back you know and and listen honestly to to what it is that they're saying that i
0: would, think yeah. uh just a, a reflection on what we're talking about there i think so much of the time, because Sunday morning is quite a significant part of what a church does or how a paid employee spends their time in in planning for it. I think we need to reimagine that and ask the questions, why are we gathering? But I think there's and just reflection and conversations with friends and and other people. There is a little bit about reimagining again what discipleship is and what does it mean to follow Jesus? And actually, I'm not sure how well We, the church, whoever has painted that picture of what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. And and we think just the Mm. let's gather together on Sunday and we'll do something during the week and that will will suffice. But even asking that bigger picture, not only what Mm. do we do on Sunday morning or why do we do what we do on a Sunday morning, but actually what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because we haven't necessarily been forced to ask that question previous to the, the pandemic, but you really see in people's lives discipleship what does it look like to follow jesus people struggling in faith people finding things difficult the lack of community and i'm, I'm wondering whether yeah something about that what does it mean for for me to follow jesus to be a jesus follower
1: mm. yeah yeah i think you're spot on simon they, um you know i you you go into church and you hear you hear a sermon and then uh, afterwards you're talking to someone and they'll say i'm very worried about this or i'm very worried about that or whatever and especially in you know pandemic times and there's there's uh is is there an awareness there that actually jesus teaches quite a bit about how to handle the question of worry and and w- w- uh, how to live he invites us to be able to live a life without worry and um, so the, but again are we making that connection is is that the kind of thing that jesus is supposed to be teaching us <laughs> is he not supposed to be teaching us you know uh how to pray or uh, whatever um it, doesn't he teach theology no he teaches us how to deal with worry he teaches us how to deal with with people who are nasty to us uh th- those kind of very real life situations um but but uh, somehow in our heads we haven't we haven't made that connection or, or there's been a disconnection there that I think it'd be great to to get back to. Um, you know the, uh, the, the I, I'm a great admirer of the 12 steps groups and, and so on. And I think that part of the 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 strength of them is that they start off with the reality of the situation. You know, my name is Sean and I'm an alcoholic. Right, let's start from there then you know um, so if people sit up and say, you know, my name is Ross and I'm a warrior, my name is Simon and I, I have issues with anger, you know, whatever, uh, that, that, that we're creating, we're, we're connecting with a real life situation and then bringing the gospel that says that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the activity of God is here, right here now. So how do we create a connection between those two? Those are the questions for me. Yeah, it'd be an
0: interesting one to to launch into those on a sunday morning i was uh, i heard someone share a little bit about um you mentioned about the kingdom is near the kingdom is coming to and talked about repent and believe and that idea of repent and believe a lot of the time we think about repent as turn away from all those sinful things you're doing but actually that repent and believe is is turn away from from your life of worry or your life of anger or your life of this and and walk towards Jesus and, and be embraced by Jesus and you no longer have to worry, you no longer have to worry, whatever those things. But the language repent and believe, it tends to be seen as quite a negative thing. You know, turn away from being bold and be good and think good thoughts on the way to to church and the way back. But actually that repent and yeah. believe is a is a is a real invitation into freedom. And yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Um, Dallas Willard translates that or paraphrases: "Change your way of thinking, and start living uh, in light of this, in reliance upon this reality. You know that that's that's it. That that there's there's this other reality here that we can we can uh, engage with all the time." Um, and uh, yeah, I think that language is really important, like repent and believe do not those words do not communicate what Jesus intended to communicate when yeah. he when he spoke yeah. originally. So we've got to find non-religious language that creates the the um that communicates the reality of what's there in the scriptures for us to, to communicate.
2: And I think just reflecting on that, I think often we we think we have to live out our Christian faith, our Christian life on our own individually. And if, if anything the pandemic has caused us is, you know, we've, we've been isolated, we've on our own, we've craved community. And I think what we're all experiencing is just those moments when we can all be back together in person and you actually realize how spiritual that is. Like it's nearly like a sacrament, like to be in person, together particularly when we practice communion you you know we can't really do that online very well and I think you know all of what you said Sean I think there is something that we um, disconnect the Sunday gathering from our everyday life because we're not expecting to actually nearly encounter God or Jesus during our times when we gather but something so powerfully actually happens when we hug someone if we're allowed to do that, or when we sing together when we're allowed to do that, or just being present together and listening to each other and all those things that our faith is designed to be worked out in community. And I think um, Sunday, Saturdays, great time, but also thinking outside those spaces as well. How do we continue to be present? How do we continue to connect to each other Mm in terms of the rhythms of how we practice all in the context of we're all busy and we're all kind of trying to fit all this stuff in. Um, but I think there's just something powerful in, in coming back together and we're noticing it because we, we've been detached for so long. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the hospitality thing I, I think is, is a really crucial part of it that, um, you know, Jesus has one night left with his, his small group, you know, his group of 12, so what does he do? He has a meal with them. That's you know, yeah, it's great. Uh, that's what he wants to do. Um, and I, I, you know, that that sense of and it, it is a proper meal. You know, uh, you know, we focus on the bread and wine, but they didn't have you know little tiny little glass flasks with mm-hmm. ribina in it and and a little cube of bread. You know, they they ate a meal together. Um, and I think that 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 sense of uh, you know, when we have people for a meal, it's relaxed, there's time, there's a sense of uh, this, you know, we, we can connect and that's what we love about it. You know, we go away from an evening like that thinking, oh, that was great, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think that it's really important that we, we recover some of that, that that's part of what, what the gathering is meant to be.
2: Yeah, that's really helpful and and kind of creating spaces in our community that may not be on a Sunday morning, you know, could be elsewhere and meeting in, in each other's houses. Um, and it's interesting where the online piece will come into this, because I think the online, the Zoom things do have a role to play, you know, going forward and this kind of hybrid idea. And it's, you know, for us, it's kind of we would we would probably get more people coming to a 15 to 20 minute prayer examine type thing on zoom then all trying to rush together to be to be in some place so it's just trying to figure out the spaces where we can remain connected and i think i think that's one of the opportunities that that i'm reflecting on as as you're talking sean is how do we how do we create rhythms that help us what did you say is submerge into the um love and life of the triune god you know immersing immersing people in the reality of the triune god you know how do we create spaces and rhythms where people are experiencing that i think that's yeah a good good place to reflect on isn't it yeah
1: and we can create experiences that we can share even if we're not together so, say, for example, I mean, the country did this for years, you know, 12 o'clock every day, the Angeles, you know. Um, and there was a time when everybody stopped, you know, it's no longer the case, of course, but, but you know, the, that sense of, of, uh, livestock promote but, but as communities we could we could develop practices that that we share together even though we're not in the same place at the same time and we're not even connected on the internet or anything like that but we could say you know at 12 o'clock every day we, we, we pause for uh, for five minutes and reflect on how the day has gone so far how uh, what what are we facing in the next five and and even create our right little prayers so that we would say um, that would reflect that they, you know, they, once we get our creative things going and, and throw off some of the shackles of, it, it has to be 11 o'clock and it has to be everybody in the same building and, uh, and we have to be up by 12 or whatever. Uh, I do think that there's, there's amazing ways of doing creative stuff. And, and there are community, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's lots of, of um, resources available already to do that kind of stuff, you know?
2: Yeah. And just on the back of that, one of the things that I think we're all discovering is that we all have a role to play in this. And one of the things on Zoom is that you can you can invite people in to participate. And our challenge and our question that we've been asking our guys, how do we take what we've learned on Zoom in terms of people doing readings, participating? How do we bring that when we're back into person? So it's less it's less of one person from the front dictating and doing everything to much more of we all are the body we all have something to contribute so um i think that's really powerful because a it takes the pressure off the person or the (laughs) the the team to come up with all the spiritual goods and it it empowers people in the room to be contributing or to be participating in in the life of the community and and i think that's where holy spirit really begins to work in terms of people's lives Mm. And, and i think there's There's so much in that. Um, And obviously it's got loads of practical implications, but I just think creating spaces where people are participating in the community is probably something that we all need to think about.
0: I think I suppose just finishing up, um, Sean, I think that question of the, why does the church do what it does? Why do we exist? It seems like such a simple question. And, you know, you could ask a church, you could ask a church leader, why do we do church? What is church? Um, But actually it's a really important question. It's question. Not only should we be asking after or coming out of a pandemic, but constantly asking, why do we do what we do and asking those questions? Um, And I I love your last line um, in the in the blog. A soft reset would not mean abandoning all or any of these activities or things that we've done in the past, but rethinking them in the light of the purpose to help people become apprentices of Jesus by immersing them in the reality of the triune God and leading them into doing everything that Jesus told us. I suppose maybe just a question i don't know if you have any more questions ross but a question just sean what would you say to someone leading a community or a church or a ministry or someone who's 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 listening to this what would you say about doing that rethinking about reorganizing our communities our people around the why question
1: rather than what what, what question um i think i think the word soft is is important uh i don't don't do a hard revolution that, that, you know, will a lot of, you know, we've talked about people who who haven't come back to the traditions, but, but there are a lot of people for whom that is a very important part of their lives. And if suddenly somebody comes in and changes it completely, you know, that, that can be very uh, difficult for people. So I think that, that uh, it's finding uh, ways and seeking wisdom to be able to um, uh introduce the idea of change and proceed uh on and explaining the purpose behind it and um, and uh leading people with you rather than simply uh you know trying to uh explode the whole thing <laughs> between one Sunday and the next you know uh, and I'm sure certainly the church leaders that I I, I know are uh, of wisdom and uh, insight and uh, so I think it's wisdom and courage and 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 uh, operating in in the tension between those two being wise about how we lead people but also having the courage to lead people yeah yeah, and I,
0: I think so much of the time when we're thinking about change we present the what because we've wrestled through the why and come up with the what but we don't bring people with us because we don't explain the why we're called to make disciples of of Jesus and this is how we want to do this and this is how we think the most effective way to do it in the place that we are in the time that we're in and we need to remind people of the why and not just this is what we're doing for the next six months because I've thought about it in my on my own but I haven't shared that bit with you yeah that's
2: very good very good that's really good. I think we could obviously carry on for a lot longer, but uh, really appreciate yeah. your your thoughts and your wisdom, Sean. Um, it's been a really good conversation and hopefully those people who are listening to this have been able to take a few things out that you can take into their worlds um, and begin to apply. Just a reminder that this paper that Sean has written, Soft Reset, it is on the Praxis website, so I encourage you to go mm. and look there. But I think we'll leave it there. Sounds good. Today, yeah, Simon. Is that Good. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. you. Thanks,
1: Sean. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at
0: praxismovement.ie.